0: Verse number 17, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel but thou and thy father's house and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together into Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. And let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress it. I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Verse 25, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey. Or pre adventure, he sleeps. He sleepeth. He must be wakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves in their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. You know, in reading that, I thought, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's wild. Something 10 years ago you know, that would have blew our mind. But we're not far from there in America today. There's people in America today that will do that for their cause, for what they're believing for, for what they're protesting against. Yeah, right. We're not that. We're not far away, folks. We're not. Verse number twenty-nine. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put wood in order, and he cut the bullock into pieces, and laid him on the wood. And said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And, he, and they did it a third time. And the water ran, about, ran round about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that, I, that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38, And, they, and then, then the fire, uh, fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water. That was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. I want to talk to you for just a moment tonight on this thought from verse number 21 halted by opinions halted by opinions pray with me father we thank you for this day and this opportunity god i thank you for this word god i pray lord that you anoint the ears to hear god anoint my lips to speak hide me behind your cross god that i'd say only that which you give me to say god i pray lord that you would uh, that you would go forth lord that you would prepare the land that you'd plow up the fallow ground god that it the seed would not fall on bare ground god i ask you lord that you would Use this, God, to help somebody. Help us tonight, God, that we not leave the same way that we came. God, I pray, Lord, that the opinions that come, God, the things that come into our minds, the battles that we face, God, may they not be greater than the God that's within us. God, we pray that you make your word alive tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Halted by opinions. In our text here, we find the children of Israel once again falling into idol worship. It seems to be a repeat. You know, we read the book of Genesis and how they're delivered out of Egypt into the wilderness. And they're not in the wilderness very long before they're making golden calves and all kind of stuff. And all throughout the Old Testament, God has to deal with the children of Israel and the children of Judah as they fall into idolatry. And they worship idols and they worship false gods. But right here, they're being led headlong into idolatry by none other than their king, King Ahab, at the direction of his wife Jezebel. We know Ahab was king over Israel, and in 1 Kings 16 and 30, the Bible says that Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. It's a dark time. As if if that wasn't enough, the Bible says that he took Jezebel to be his wife, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. It goes on to say that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before him. It's a dark time. It was a very dark time. A place darkened by leadership, idolatry, sin. And this time they were in a drought. Just a few verses before you can read of how Elijah prophesied that there was going to be no rain until his word came. I think a span there sometime of three years thereabouts they were without any rain and they were in a famine you know so here here they are and they're they're headlong into idolatry they they've turned their back on god they they worship in baal they've got a king that that has a an evil wife a witch for a wife the king you know he's done more evil than any kings before him and here elijah steps up on the scene and he poses a question He brings all the children of Israel on top of Mount Carmel, and he has the question for the hour. He says, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him. Our text says the people answered not a word. They were halted. At that moment in time, they didn't know what to say. They were stopped in their tracks. They didn't know how to respond. Here we have two opinions. The prophet says that the Lord is God. Their king says that, uh, that, that Baal is God. Who do they believe? Who are they going to go after? As we get into this thought tonight, there's no doubt that some of you along this way or another have been stopped dead in your tracks by an opinion. I think of Joseph, the son of Israel, and how he dreamed dreams. And as he began to share those dreams, he was rebuked by none other than his own father he was sold into slavery by his brothers all because he shared his dreams God was going to make him great, God was going to preserve the seed God was going to do all these things, God was going to have the elder serve the younger all these things in his dream he began to share you know but then he was faced by opinions he was sold into slavery he had a life that was hard but he, he was dealt into the hands of, of, the, of, the, of the devil But God used it to bring about the divine plan that He had for His life all along. But it was opinions that faced Joseph. Maybe like Joseph, you're excited and eager to share what God's doing, only for your only for your feelings to be deflated by somebody's opinion. Come on. There's 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 new converts in here. Some, you know, I say new. It could be a year, six months, two months. Could be two years. But as you begin to serve God, there's people that's going to come to you. There's people that's going to say, You're not going to make it. You're not going to last. Oh, this is just for a time. Oh, it's just a crutch. But don't let their opinions cripple you. Maybe, maybe I dare say tonight you've been halted by your own opinion. As the rich young ruler was. We all know the story when Jesus presented the gospel to him, he replies. All these things have I kept from my youth up. And Jesus told him to sell all that he has and give it to the poor. Follow him. The rich young ruler said within himself, that's too much for me to give. And he walked away sorrowfully. God may have put his hand on something in your life tonight. And by your own opinion, you've said it's too much. God, I can't give it up. I can't do it. God may have put his finger on that thing. And it's just too much for you to bear. I, want, I hope tonight that you can find help in this. That you can see that God doesn't want you to be halted by any opinion. Your opinion, the devil's opinion, anybody's opinion except the word of God. Amen. You know, I, I, as preaching, I, I've never really had three points. If I have, it's been very few and far between. So I'm doing something a little different tonight, but it's how the Lord gave it to me. Got three points tonight, three opinions that halter, that alt, halt us, and stop us in our tracks. And the first opinion tonight is God didn't really mean that. God didn't really mean what He said. God really doesn't require that. And said, where do you get this out of the Book of First Kings, chapter eighteen? Where do you get that opinion at? Well, it's not. I'm gonna back all the way up to the Book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Verse number four, and the serpent said unto the woman, You shall surely, you shall not surely die. Surely God didn't mean that. Surely God knew that your eyes would be open and that that was good for you. Surely he didn't really mean that you're going to die. That's an opinion. Here we find Satan's first interaction with the human race, and he brings about an opinion though he opposed the fact, he stated it as fact, shall not. You know, reading that, I go back to my first career job working as corrections officer in Hardin County. Had to go through a jailer's course to get my certification. And very early on in that course, they taught us the difference between should and shall. There's a lot of things you should do, but there's things that the state of Texas said as a corrections officer, you shall do. Shall, is must should as a recommendation I fast forward through all these 12-13 years on forward to just last week I was in a class for my job and guess what showed up again shall there's things you can do there's things you can get away with there's things that's permitted but here's a list of things that you shall do if you're going to do this in accordance to, to the, the rules and regulations so Satan, he said, ye shall not surely die. He posed it as a fact. But it wasn't a fact. I believe that we get the meaning and the usage of the word shall straight from the word of God. I think, it, you know, that we use it today just as how it was intended in the book. and God's word. He said in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 17 of Genesis, but the tree of knowledge... Of good and evil, you shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of, thou shalt surely die. We know that God can't lie. He clearly states that thou shalt die the day that you eat of the fruit. We know that he can't lie, so we know that's a fact. But we back up to Satan's statement. The Bible says in John eight forty four, it said, Because there is no truth in him, He can't tell the truth, so we know that was an opinion. He used the right terminology. He tripped her up by using God's words, but it was was no truth in it. It was an opinion. Therefore, we know without a shadow of a doubt that Satan's statement to Eve was merely an opinion and a false one at that. There are times in our walk with God that he will begin to place his finger on things in our lives and no matter how big or small they may seem, we must lay them down. This life costs Jesus everything. We've got to know that it's going to cost us something. Yes. We can't simply go through this life, last the days of cool and bliss, that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows, that at some point for there to be growth in God, there's going to have to be a challenge in us that will change us. We must never forget that the ultimate goal and plan for our life is to mirror Christ. That's that's his goal in everything. If I'm going to grow, if I'm going to continue to walk in him, if I'm not changing, if I'm not ever changing from, from, from who I am to who he is, then I'm not growing in God. I'm not going anywhere. I think Smith Wigglesworth or somebody said to live two days in succession is backsliding. If I don't grow two days in a row, I'm backsliding. I've got to be changed into his image every day, every day. That's the goal. That's the ultimate plan for my life. If we ever get our eyes off of that, then we've gotten off a track. Does God want you to be happy? Yes, I believe he does. Will God provide all your needs according to his riches and glory? Yes, I believe he will. But that doesn't mean it's going to come easy. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Since January, the Lord's laid it on my heart that we need people more than ever before to stand up and fill the shoes of the ones that's gone on before us. I prayed that God would make me one of those men. That God would make me a man of prayer, a man of the word of God. I prayed that God would raise up strong men and women in this church to fill the gap who've gone on before us and have finished their race. We lost another one this week. Brother Roderick, was, was preaching yesterday and he talked about that wall, that 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 spiritual wall that's about the church and how Brother Pickens was faithful to his post on that wall. We've lost to many, church. We've lost to many. Brother John Rich, Brother Castle, Pastor Robert, Brother Clendenin, and all these people, there's ones that were gone even before I come here 13 years ago that I don't know their names. There's been many. There's some that, that I, I may fail to mention their names, but... Who has stood up and, t- and stood in the gap from them? The ladies have gone on the prayer warriors, the ones that fought hell back there on that Tuesday and Thursday morning prayer meetings in, in, that, in that middle building back here for years. Who has stood up and, and, and taken their place? God didn't call us to do their same work, but he called us to fill the gap. He called us to fill their post. He called us to stand about the wall. I shared years ago when we were going through that trial of the message Brother Darren Downs preached, and he he talked about the church slayer, and he talked about God gave it to him in an allegory, and it's more of a, I mean, that story is so real. It's almost like hearing, listening to the Pilgrim's Progress. It's along the same, it's so captivating. But he talks about how the church and the wall, that, that the watchmen have grown weary. Most of them are old. The young men haven't come up and taken their place. There's no young men up there. It's all old men who've been there for years because the younger generation has failed to take their place on the wall. they failed to take their stand at their post. they failed to stand in the gap. they failed to put on the armor of God and to fight the good fight. I believe, folks, that I'm not coming down on anybody. I'm, I'm hoping that this is encouraging because it's encouraging me. I want to be one of these men. I'm not saying that I am. I'm saying I'm, a, I'm aspiring to be. I want to be. But I believe in our church that we, you know, it, out, even outside of our church, if you look, there's denominations today that I see in the world and work with and have interaction with and family that's in this. And, and, and there's several, it's not just one. There's more spiritual women out there leading households today than there are spiritual men. We have more spiritually strong women and more men and spiritually weak men, and that's in the world in general. That's everywhere, folks. That's, that's rampant in America. It is more times than not, you go to your average church on average, I even think back to even in my church back home years you know 15 years ago and I can count and see the women who led that house spiritually. And I'm not taking nothing away from that but men we have a job to do. God called us to be something and it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. It's gonna, those men that, that have passed on, they fought the fight. They kept the race. They, they, they kept the faith. They were faithful to their watch and to prayer. But God's, gonna, God's looking for people that's going to bring up some more people that will take their place. If we don't, this thing's over. It can't continue on. It, it's not going to sustain itself. We've got to be where God wants us to be for us to raise our children up, for us to to be in the right place for those that are fatherless, like Sister Kimberly's praying about, talking about, for those that are in need, for those that need somebody to guide them, somebody to love them, somebody to show them the way, somebody to be strong for them, somebody that can give them some correction and love and and give them a, a, a stern voice. We need that in this hour. We need that in this world. But it's been a burden of mine that, that all those that have gone on before us, and I'm not saying there's nobody because we have many that are prayer warriors in this church. That's not what I'm saying. We have many that pray, many that are faithful, many have stepped up and filled those shoes. But we've got some gaps, and we got some room for some more folks. Amen? we got some room for some more folks. And I'm praying that the Lord would raise up these men and women. that we could fill the gap, that we could fill the gap about our wall, that, that, that we could fight hell on every hand. We've lost the mindset that we're in a battle and that there's a real enemy out there. We have to once again find men and women who are willing to wage war in prayer and the word of God. If we don't stand in the gap, who will? He's looking for someone willing to be faithful to the post. You know I shared a couple weeks ago about Audrey at the end of service and how she was praying and about music that she was hearing at friends' homes and things like that and how God had convicted her of it. She cried out in this altar. But something that I said that night that wasn't that God just put into my spirit and it's been in there ever since is that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If any of you ever heard any part of the School of Christ, whether it be Preaching it on Sundays or Wednesdays, uh, while while we used to have the school here, or maybe you've been through it, but you know that's talked about a lot throughout the school. That a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The children of Israel were instructed to eat unleavened bread for Passover. It was a ele- if there was any leaven whatsoever in any part of that bread, the whole the whole uh, the whole lump was leavened bread. Tonight I'll write something. Tonight, don't write something off so small and unimportant that if the Lord has put his finger on it, God wants to bring revival to this house, to your family. If we will allow him to deal with those little things, he'll pour himself out upon us. The second halting opinion that I want to talk about tonight is God doesn't really have control. According to New Oxford American Dictionary, The word God is defined as the creator, the ruler of the universe, the source of all moral authority, the supreme supreme being. That's what it says to the Christian's meaning of God is. Elijah is saying, if the Lord be God, if the Lord be the creator of the universe, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, supreme being, then worship him. But if Baal is, then worship him. We know in our text that the worshippers of Baal called on called upon him and cut themselves, bled and cried out, and there was no answer. There was no answer by fire. We can see in an exercise of faith that Elijah flooded the altar with water not once, not twice, but three times before calling on God to answer by fire. Elijah was simply saying that I'm so confident that the Lord is God and that he will answer by fire, that I'm going to make it impossible. Unless there's a miracle, I'm going to make it impossible for a fire to be kindled here. What if today we had faith like that? If God didn't answer by fire, then Elijah surely would have been a dead man. As he stood before 450 prophets of of Baal, 400 prophets of the groves proclaiming that his God was the true God. If God didn't answer by fire, he's a dead man. It's like the children of uh, the three Hebrew boys that were thrown in the midst of the fiery furnace. You know, they said, "I don't know if God's going to deliver me or not, but I know I'm not going to bow my knee to you." <laughs> they knew that if God didn't move, if God if a miracle didn't happen, they were dead men. But they stood nonetheless. Elijah says, I know, I'm confident that he's a God that answers by fire, that I'm going to take all natural ability away for a fire to be kindled under here, barring God do it himself. Yeah. We can read this and something will well up inside of us. And for a moment in time, we can believe God for anything. But if you walk with God for any amount of time, a lie will be whispered into your ear that your situation is too big for God that he will, he, you will hear an opinion that he is not really in control and that you will have to fight all this by yourself. Yeah. Yes, We've heard testimonies just in the past few weeks of how different ones have been overwhelmed by their situation. I think it's Sister Torbert, and, and there's been others, but hers comes to mind. And she's overwhelmed by the battle and how God had miraculously comforted and spoke into those hearts and given peace when the natural mind says there shouldn't be any peace. Yeah. The natural mind says hell's closing in on all all accounts. It's over. Nothing's happening. There shouldn't be peace, but God brings peace. We We know the story of the disciples on the ship in the midst of the storm. Jesus was asleep in the boat. They were struck with fear. And all had the opinion that Jesus didn't care if they perished. When he arose and he rebuked the wind, saying, O ye of little faith, Sometimes in the midst of our struggle, we form the opinion that he doesn't care and that he's forgotten us in our storm. But sometimes we have sought the Lord for, but he, that we, he's forgotten us in our storm, but sometimes he's waiting for us to stand on his word, yes, to stand in faith, for faith to well up inside of us. He's looking, and he just as he looked at the disciples, O ye of little faith. He rebuked the storm, he calmed the sea, and he turned to them, O ye of little faith. It's time, folks, that we walk in the authority that God's given us. It's time that we walk in the authority of his word. Just as I shared in the beginning, that, you know, I have to walk in the authority of what he's called me to do. We as child of, of children of God have to walk in the authority that he's given us. We can't just walk around and like, all oh, me, all this. But God said it's going to be victory. There's going to be victory. He spoke it this morning. He said there's going to be victory. We can't come up here and say, oh, God, please help me. I want to be victorious. No, he just said God's word spoke, tongues and interpretation. There's going to be victory. I'm victorious. We've got to walk into it. We've got to put our feet to the fire if we're going to go anywhere with God. And if we don't, we're hindering God. We're hindering the move of God. Our faith takes action. We've got to move. We can't just sit here and expect him just to do it on, on, on just because we're just feeling sorry for ourselves. Come on. Sometimes we've sought the Lord for something and we feel like Mary and Martha that it's just too late. John eleven, thirty two. 32 says, Then Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou wouldst been here, My brother wouldn't have died. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead. saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. She said, Jesus, you're late. It's too late. He stinks. He's been in there four days. If you'd only been here, there's that opinion. If you'd only been here, he'd be alive, but he's dead now. Verse 40, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. I love Jesus' response here. He said, if you would only believe, you will see the glory of God. There's people in here been praying for their loved ones, their kids, their their family to be saved. You know, we we experienced that as our family, uh, Haley's oldest brother, you know, coming in here and, and giving his life to the Lord and followed by his wife. I mean, if you only knew what a miracle that was, folks. You know, I mean, it's just it, God is still at work. Don't quit praying. That daddy, that, that, mom, that, that dad and that stepmom have been praying for years, years. This sister, two sisters, been praying for years. And God did it, Folks. Don't say it's too late. Don't say that don't say that he's already dead. They're already gone. <coughs> Here you have somebody who's healed blind eyes, who's who's open, you know healed deaf, healed the healed the lame, healed the sick, and she's telling him he's already dead. It's too late. You could have healed him when he was sick, but there's no hope now. He's dead. He stinks. It's an opinion. If we can only believe, we'll see the glory of God. The last halting opinion I want to talk about tonight is I'm all alone. I'm all alone. I'm the only one that's ever had to go through this. How many of you have been there? Have you heard that opinion? Have you told yourself that opinion? I'm the only one. 1 Kings 19 and 9, 9 and 10, it says, And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous of the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. I, even I, only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Notice I said First Kings chapter 19. We just read Elijah called fire down from heaven in chapter 18. (laughs) Chapter 19, we read again in verses 13 and 14. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said again, What doest thou here, Elijah? It's the second time God asked him that. Elijah responded the same thing, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Here's a man of God that just called fire down from heaven on Mount Carmel, slew 450 prophets of Baal, now hiding in fear of his life from Jezebel. In fact, he even asked the Lord to take his life from him. Saying, is it enough? It is enough. He went from a mountaintop to a valley. In 2.5 seconds. God asked him twice. I think even pastor even preached on this similar around this neighborhood a few weeks ago, maybe sometime back. But God asked him twice, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. He was throwing himself a pity party. I've thrown myself a pity party once or twice. Ordered cake and balloons and all that stuff. Just sat there in my self-pity and just wallowed around. But this was Elijah. But many times in life, just on the other side of the mountaintop, we'll experience an inner season of the valley, and thoughts will begin to flood our minds. Opinions will begin to stop us in our tracks, and we'll feel as though God has left us, and we must go this alone. We feel or we are at the mercy of the enemy, forgetting all the victories that the Lord so mightily brought. One of the greatest lies you'll ever hear whispered by the enemy is that God has forsaken you, and you are alone. No one has ever had to go through what you're going through. I've heard that. I've told myself that. Amen? Am I the only one? Feeling as though he's he's done with me. Feeling as if the trial's too tough, the battle's too hard. Feeling as if I'm the only one. That's ever had, to, had had it this rough. Proverbs tells us. That there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you feel as though you are alone. He has forsaken you. Stand on the word of God. We have to have faith in the one that died for us. Search your heart. If there be no willful sin in your life. Then his presence is still there. Be like the angel that came to Daniel. He said I, I, I tried to get here. On the first day that you prayed, but Satan hindered me. Keep pressing through, saints. Keep pressing through. He's not forsaking you. Musicians, if you would come. But here's, just as Elijah, he asked, God asked him twice, what are you doing here? And he said, I, even I only remain. But God didn't leave him there. First Kings 19 and 18. God said to Elijah, he said, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth that has not kissed them. Elijah felt like he was the only one. But God said, you're not the only one, son. I've got 7,000 in Israel that never bowed a knee to Baal. I want to tell you, saints, you're not the only one. God didn't bring you here to leave you here by yourself. You're not going about this alone. You don't have to fight this fight by yourself. There's children of God that will rally around you, and the Son of God will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Just as I said a moment ago, God spoke victory in this house this morning. There have been messages after messages where God has said that he, he, he is victorious, and yet we still mope around asking God for victory. There has to come in a time in our walk that we begin to walk in that authority and the power of God. Smith Wigglesworth said this, Faith is actively refusing the power of the devil. Faith is actively refusing the power of the devil. If I'm going to have faith, I've got to actively, I've got to do something. Actively, I've got to do it. I've got to refuse what? The power of the devil. God has called us to walk in victory, then we must walk in victory. There's got to be action on our part. It's not going to happen any other way. I can't expect God to make me something if I'm not willing to do it. I can't expect God to make me a man of prayer if I don't pray. I can't expect God to make me a man of of His word if I don't read it. I can't expect God to do anything in me if I don't put my feet to to the action. You can't expect God to give you victory if you don't walk in that authority. It's time we stop allowing these opinions to hinder our walk and we press on in spite of them. The final question I want to leave you with tonight is this. If your opinion be God, then follow it. But if God be God, leave your opinions at these altars tonight. There's some of you here tonight... you, there's an opinion out there that God's not going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. There's an opinion out there that God can't use you. That you're washed up, that you're just you're just this or you're just that. But I want to tell you tonight, leave that opinion at this altar. God has something for you. God has an authority for you to walk in. God's got a a grace for you. God's got mercy for you. God's got long-suffering for you. God's willing and able to meet you right here tonight. He's willing and able to baptize you in the Holy Ghost, to endue you with the power from on high. He's willing and able to keep that which you commit to Him. He's willing and able to do that which He's put in your heart. God's put something in your heart. He's stirred your spirit. He's called you. He's stirred you to something. He's going to do that, folks. If we will just walk in that, if we will learn to navigate that, if we'll seek Him, if we'll commit ourselves to Him, we'll find that He's going to meet us on on those terms. If we'll commit ourselves, just as Adam, the Bible says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. They showed up. There was a place there was a time God showed up and Adam was there until the day that they fell and Adam hid himself God said Adam where art thou God's asking today for a time a place a moment of your time that he could pour himself out upon you don't let him say child of God where art thou be there be there at that time be there at that place Give of yourself. He's going to meet you, folks. God's got something for us to do. But we can't let our opinions halt us. We can't let our opinions stop us. We can't let our opinions keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And by all means, if we stop for an opinion, then we're serving it. And we can't do that. That's idolatry. That's hindering the work of God. So tonight... I say, if God be God, leave your opinions at these altars. Leave those opinions of others at these altars. If if that's you tonight, if you feel something in your spirit, you want to come lay to this altar, I ask you to find you a place to pray.